This is HPR episode 2544 entitled, How I Prepared episode 2493, YouTube subscriptions update. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 33 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, in show 2493 I listed some of my YT subscriptions, here's how. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello everybody, it's Dave Morris. Got a weird show for you this time. I uh, hesitated over whether I should do this, to be honest. But I thought it might be of interest to somebody. So what it is, is that in show 2493, I listed some of the new YouTube channels I've added to my subscription list. And uh, because I'm very, very lazy and I'm always looking for shortcuts. I used programming techniques to... data manipulation techniques to prepare the notes. So I cut and pasted stuff from the YouTube pages for some of the the text. Um, I couldn't find a simple way to automate that. But the basic list of, of YouTube channels was generated... Uh, programmatically. So I thought it was worth making a show about how I did this. So I hope that's enough information to you. So if you, if this is going to be something incredibly boring to you, you can switch off now. <laughs> but uh, I hope you might find it quite interesting because there's a bunch of different techniques that are being used here to, to uh, achieve what I wanted to achieve. And it's part of the process of data manipulation which is what I've done for pretty much all of my working life somebody gives you data in a weird weird format and you have to turn it into something more usable and you've heard lots of other people talk about this Uh, Josh from An Honest Host was talking about the whole uh, business of being lazy and coming up with scripted ways of of, uh, achieving things of this nature um, on the New Year's Eve show so in order to do what I wanted to do I needed the YouTube subscription list, my YouTube subscription list. And I'll explain how I got that in a moment. I needed the XML Starlet tool. And this is something that Ken has mentioned on many occasions. He uses it regularly, I think. I've not really got very deeply into it until I did this project. Not very deep yet, but I certainly learned some stuff about it. Then the third component was... The, there's a package called the Template Toolkit, which I'll enlarge upon in a moment. And uh, I used that to generate the markdown that I use for my show notes. And then I used Pandoc to convert markdown into HTML. So I won't talk about Pandoc in this episode, but I'll talk about the three other steps. So first off, if you are a YouTube user, 
and you want to get your subscription list, then one technique, not the, maybe there are other techniques that you could scrape the page and stuff, but uh, you, I discovered that you, there's a thing called the subscription manager, which should be available to you as a YouTube user, and I've given the link to it and so forth in the notes. And you select the manage subscriptions tab, and at the bottom of the page is an export option, which when you click it, generates OPML. And this is, by default, written to a file called Subscription Manager on your whatever you're, you're using at that time. So what's OPML? I certainly mentioned it before, but I've never gone into much detail. I don't plan to do a lot of detail now. It's an XML data format, and it's designed to be used by... Um, some sort of application like a podcatcher or something that uses RSS feeds. Um, you can also use it if you're, you're dealing with videos, if you're using some sort of offline video viewer or something. I thought it would be a convenient format to parse in order to get the the basic channel information that I wanted, so the list of channels and stuff. And as I say in the notes, it's possible to do this by scraping the YouTube website, but you'd need to write something very sophisticated, in my terms, sophisticated anyway. If you have done this type of thing and you know of a better way to achieve this, then let us know. Uh, send in a comment or do a, a show um, about it, perhaps. Given that I've got the subscription manager file, I used the XML starlet tool to parse it. It's a command line tool and I run Debian testing and I was able to install it from the repository with a simple apt-get. There are other tools that can be used to do this but XML Starlet is a, a very powerful and, and quick Swiss Army knife type tool for doing, for doing analysis and parsing of XML. Now Ken has mentioned that he one time was going to do a show about this or even more more than one show because it's quite complex so I hope you'll do that at some point it certainly deserves some description on HPR I would have thought it's even worth a short series I'm just going to mention how I use it to generate um, a simple comma separated variable file from the OPML the first thing I did was rename this file called subscription manager to the name yt underscore subs .opml, just so I knew what on earth it was in the future. Then I discovered how to use XML Starlet to do an analysis of a bit of XML. Now XML is a is a sort of um, hierarchical tree structure of what I guess you could call objects, entities, or something of that sort. And uh, the command I used was XML Starlet. And this is followed by a sort of subcommand, el, letters e and l in lowercase, and then space hyphen u, and then the name of the file yt underscore subs .opml. What that does is it simply shows you that within the, the tree structure of the the XML, there's a top level opml. It's a bit like a directory structure. Then slash body, then slash outline, then slash outline again. So it's a fairly simple structure. You can work out the structure of XML by using various tools which will print it out in a, a well-formatted way. And one of them is called XML Lint, 
which is part of the XML2 utils package on Debian anyway, which it also requires libxml2. But if you're interested in that, I do actually use XML lint from time to time. I should probably use XML starlet because I think it can do a similar job. But um, I've always been using XML lint for many years. The problem is that XML, the, the layout of it is not usually designed for human readability so it's all often it's squashed together all in one line or on many many long lines so an xml lint can um, reformat it and i, I, I demonstrated a, a brief briefly how you could do this just showing the first seven lines of what was in my file but i'm not going to talk about that anymore now within the xml xml consists of objects if you like uh, tags if you prefer because it's it's akin to html and the tags are enclosed in less than and greater than signs and you'll see in the xml lint output that there's an instance where it just contains body in these in these symbols the word body but there's other cases where uh, you might want to modify the particular object that you're, you're defining and you can put further sequences of name equals and then a quoted string and, and that type of thing within it and there are lots of these there are many of these instances in the opml format so you can ask xml starlet to report back the structure including these things which are called attributes and uh, you can you can see them now you'll see all of them if you use xml starlet to do this so i've just run it with a head command on the end just to show the first 11 lines i chose 11 because after trial and error it showed a, a single sample of what what's in there so the command would be xml starlet space el this subcommand space hyphen a space and then the name of the file ytsubs.opml and piped into head minus 11 so what that shows is that the opml tag can contain the attribute version it shows it as opml slash at version the so version's an attribute and uh, it's um, it's used in this particular file that's just the first line of the opml definition which says uh, that it is a version 1.1 opml file you don't really need to know more than that but uh, there's other things the the deepest branch of the tree or the the furthest branch of the tree contains a tag which contains the the attributes text title type and xml url url so with that in mind it tells you what type of layout the uh, the xml contained and you can then write a much more complex starlet xml starlet command which will pull all of the, uh, the relevant information out so i've demonstrated this with an xml starlet command which took a little bit of trial and error to, to work out reading of the documentation etc and it's just one long line it's a pipeline um, with a bunch of, of commands in it and uh, in order to show it in these notes i've split it up into into separate lines where each one is ends with a backslash 
So this would be the actual contents of a file that you could, or indeed you could type this in on the command line. It shows it being typed on the on the command line. So you, you put a put a backslash on the end of the line. That means that the command's not finished and it's to continue. It's not the only way to do it, but I thought this would be a way of showing what was going on. So it gets quite complicated in terms of what I'm doing here, but let's see if I can break it down into into some reasonable. Uh, pieces that are, that are understandable. What we have here is a pipeline and the first element of the pipeline is a bracketed list of commands. So it's an open parenthesis and then some stuff and then a closed parenthesis and everything that comes out of that parenthesized list is piped into, in this particular case, head hyphen five. So it's just to demonstrate it and it just shows the first five lines that are output by this this uh, pipeline. So going into the parentheses, the first command we see in there is an echo. And the echo simply is a string which consists of the words title, comma, feed, comma, scene, comma, skip. So they're all in single quotes. And then a semicolon. What that does is it causes the, that particular string, title, feed, scene, and skip, to be output by the uh, pipeline. And because we've effectively got here is a bunch of commands, the, the brackets, that which the parentheses here are a bashism, it's also available in other shells, which causes all of the commands within the parentheses to be um, executed and the output to be written uh, as a stream from them all. So this is just the first line that's to be written out. And it's um, we're making a comma-separated variable file, and the requirement is that the first line be the titles of the, the columns within the, uh, within the file. So you, you could use this in a spreadsheet, for example, where you use these as titles in your, in your spreadsheet. So after the semicolon, we then go into XML starlet itself. And there's a subcommand that starts this off, which is cell, S-E-L. That means to select data or to query an XML document. That's what it says in the manual page. So we're asking XML starlet to, to do some specific query of the contents. Then the next thing we see is hyphen T. That defines that there is to be a template used. Hyphen M defines a thing called an XPath expression, which is the uh, part of the template. Now, an XPath expression is conceptually similar to a path within the file system. So the the part the XPath is actually slash opml slash body slash outline slash outline. We already saw that when analyzing the contents of this file. It's just saying that the deepest node within the within this uh, tree structure is the thing I just said. So we actually want to pull data out of there. We don't care about intermediate data, just we want this specific path as if we were looking in a in a file system path to find specific files at that level. In this case we're going to be getting attributes out. That's then followed by a hyphen s. Hyphen s option is a sort specification. I, I won't go into details as to what this means, but just briefly, it's, it's asking for the A, capital A colon, T colon, hyphen, 
space is the type of sort to do and the thing to sort with sort by i suppose you'd say is the title attribute so at title is in there that's how we're going to sort the output then the next thing is the specification what is to be reported so that is an a, an sub expression which begins with the option hyphen v and there's a string containing a an expression which will pull particular pieces of data out of the xml and what it says is concat so it's it wants to concatenate a bunch of things together and in parentheses it then says at title so we want to know the title that's the title of each channel in the uh, in the uh, youtube output then a comma then a string containing a comma a comma then at xml url comma then a string containing comma zero comma zero close string close parenthesis and close the whole enclosing double quotes what's that saying is just pull the title out the xml field out and then put them together in a comma separated variable with a couple of zeros on the end then we have hyphen n which just simply specifies the name of the file that's to be processed so everything that's everything within the parentheses and, and what's happening there is xml starlet is being told how to go and process this file and what to output and it's just going to output these two fields with a couple of extra zeros on the end the, the output of these parentheses this parenthesized uh, uh, list pipeline i guess is to be written somewhere in reality i wrote it to a file called yt underscore data dot csv and i used a greater than sign to, to pipe that but in this particular case i'm just showing you what it looks like by demonstrating the first five lines that come out of it so this is fairly advanced bashism um, which i the sort of thing i will get into at some stage in my bash series i think but uh, this is a case of actually using it to do some data data manipulation so we're going to have a four column comma separated variable file and it's got the remain the, the last two columns are all going to be zeros in the, the file that's generated but that's to allow me to fiddle around with it and um, change these values to control things to do with the file the column marked with scene that's the third column is for marking the channels which I have already talked about in an earlier episode about YouTube subscriptions that was 2202 I didn't want to talk about them again so I wanted to mark them as ignore effectively the skip column is for channels that I just didn't want to include because I didn't think they were relevant to that to that particular thing I've got a lot more channels than I've talked about so far that was a very long-winded way of explaining a thing that pulls data out of this OPML file. So the next thing I wanted to do was to generate HTML for the HBR show notes. To do that, I used this tool called Template Toolkit. It's, um, it's a templating system, not too surprisingly, and there are many templating systems for different programming languages and applications. This particular one I've been using for over 15 years, I think, and I, I use it a lot when I was working. Um, really find it very usable and has tons of features. I, 
actually use it on a regular basis when generating show notes for HBR shows that I do. And uh, I also use it in some of the scripts, the admin scripts that I've written to uh, do work for HBR. A template toolkit is a Perl application. So you need to have Perl installed on your machine. But just about everything does these days, including Raspberry Pis. So it's uh, pretty much a matter of course that you get it. You need to have a version of Perl later than 5.6.0 and my Debian testing box has 5.26.1 so 5.6.0 is pretty old. And the toolkit can be installed in the normal Perl way using the comprehensive Perl archive network CPAN uh, but if you, uh, you do need to do some preliminary work to set that up so if you if you don't want to do that then there's a method of doing of installing it which is defined on the template toolkit site and I've copied the instructions into the notes basically you need to grab a tar file you need to untar it you cd into it and then you you make it you use the Perl to uh, to run the first stage and then use the make command to to build it and you can use sudo to to install it across your system template toolkit is currently version 2.26 but if you look at the main template toolkit site whatever that happens to be the instructions whatever versions is, is current the instructions will reflect that so template toolkits a big subject and I'm not going to go into detail here. I have penciled in the possibility of doing a, an episode or two on it in the future. And if you, it sounds interesting to you, let me know if you, if you want me to do it. Principle is that you prepare a template. And in the template are directives which conform to a, a syntax specific to template toolkit. TT is usually referred to as the template is usually called out of a script written in Perl or indeed Python is a Python version of template toolkit and then the template is given data from the from the script or it can obtain data itself and we're going to use that in this particular process and then it, it does things to the data and 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 formats it template toolkit directives are enclosed in square bracket percent sequences so open square bracket percent and then a directive then percent close square bracket separates it from the data so you'd put that in to uh, to represent a piece of data that was to be inserted or to provide directives such as loops and variables and control statements and so on and so forth so it's a sort of mini language all of its own now Template Toolkit can access CSV data, and there's a plugin to it. This, this has a plugin system, so you can enhance the the basic toolkit. There's one called Template colon colon plugin colon colon data file, and it just comes as standard with Template Toolkit, and it allows you to open an arbitrary data file. By default, I think the data is expected to be in fields separated by colon, but you can also tell it to separate by commas, and that's what I did here. And I could have written the thing with colons rather than commas, but I've told it in my particular case to use commas throughout, just because that's what I felt like, I guess. So there's an example of how you would, in your template 
define the connection to your data file and it consists of in these square bracket percent sequences the word use in uppercase then some name equals then data file is a is a um, function and then the first argument to it is the path to the file which I've just written as file path here then if you want to change the delimiter to something else you put delim equals and then uh, a string containing the single character delimiter so I've defined in, in general terms thing here which points at the uh, at a file separated with the with the fields separated by commas the thing called that I've referred to as name in this example is is actually a a data structure which is collected by template toolkit and uh, and made available within the template it's actually a list of hashes a hash is an associative array and a list is a a non-associative array so it's an array of arrays if you like but um you probably don't need to know that in huge amount of detail because i'll be hopefully be explaining it to you in a moment in the example of how i've used it so i've got a the actual template that i used to do this sort of stuff and um it's got the got a, a use directive in it where i created a, a name yt list youtube list and then set that to the output from the data file function where i pointed a file called yt underscore data dot csv the one i mentioned earlier that was created by xml starlet delimiter is a comma then in my template the next line just consists of hyphen space youtube channels colon that's a piece of text that's to be output by the template so i want to have a i want that to be output and that's a piece of markdown syntax it's um a, the the way you specify a list element then the next directive is a a for each it's a loop and it's a for each and then a variable name in and then some data structure so i've got for each chan in yt list so yt list is a list of of uh, this data structure i mentioned so it's a list of channels basically and each channel contains bits of data about uh, the uh, the channel so i'm setting a variable chan to point at the then the next statement is next statements next is the the verb in the command language uh, which means skip to the next iteration in the loop and it's to skip if the scene variable the scene element of the chan variable or the skip element of the chan variable are set to true that is the value 1 so in other words if i have set these fields to either of the fields to 1 then it's not going to be included in the output the next line is a piece of text effectively with embedded bits of template toolkit stuff so it begins with an indentation the indentation is important because it's needed by markdown it is followed by um the indentation is is a, a followed by a hyphen and a space then an open square bracket then an asterisk and then after the asterisk is a an open square bracket percent then 
chan.title percent close square brackets. So that's a substitution of the value of the title of the particular channel with asterisks either side of it and there's a closed square bracket so there's square brackets around it. There's an example a bit lower down in the notes. Then we do something very similar with, with enclosing in parentheses another template toolkit expression in square brackets percents and in this case it's chan.feed feed is the URL of the feed but in the OPML the URLs are actually not the feed they are RSS expressions they are RSS URLs it's not um, it's not the channel I'm confusing channel and feed it's not the the channel that we want that you'd click you you'd load into your um, search bar in your browser it's a feed for giving to an RSS feed but the difference between the two is is tiny so the expression chan.feed.replace causes a substitution to be done on that string and there's the the original one is changed to a new one which re references the, the channel so you get a, a channel pointer I think you can probably see that from later on without me trying to explain it then the last last piece is an end statement for template toolkit again enclosed in these uh, open square brackets percent and then percent close square bracket and so that's the end of the loop and that's it so there's six lines here and that's all you need in the template so if you to run it you don't need to have a program at all you, you can use a command that comes with template toolkit which is tpage tpage and what that does is simply to run a template you give it as an argument the name of a template and it will run template toolkit on it and because in the template it says what file it's to process it um, it just that's all you need in this particular example I am piping the output into the head command where I'm using dash five to get the first five lines so you'll see that what you what you get is in column one uh, a hyphen then space YouTube channels that was a bit of text that the template outputs and then the loop starts and it then starts to print out indented hyphened things which are actually markdown links so a markdown link consists of a straight a bit of text in square brackets followed immediately by a URL in round brackets in parentheses I've used asterisks in the square brackets because that produces an italicized string so that this is markdown magic which is not really very magic but there you go so if you give that to pandoc and the next the next example shows the t page output being piped directly into pandoc and then I output the first five lines of that you see it's html where it's um, setting up a, a list and then a then a sublist within it, which is which is triggered by the indented list specifications. So that was what was used in show two four nine three, and uh, there's a there's a link in these notes that takes you to the place where it's actually used. So 
As I got to this point in writing these notes, I was thinking, wow, I've probably lost 90% of the audience here. And, and anybody who's left is probably saying, why on earth did you do this? This is entirely overkill. I'm sure Ken is. <laughs> but um, it's it's just the way my mind works. <laughs> it's, it's that thing that Josh was saying. You tend to come up with programming solutions to avoid the boredom of actually cutting and pasting a whole bunch of things out of a web page or something of that sort. It it made a, a tedious process a little bit more interesting. I know Josh mentioned this, but it's also a thing that's, that I've heard said in the the community of programming and people managing computers and that type of thing for many, many years, that there's a tendency to come up with solutions so that you don't have to do boring things and if you do have to do boring things that you you only do it once and thereafter you have uh, you've you've built something to short circuit it it's uh, just a piece of psychology i guess that that goes along with the, the territory <laughs> what i have here then is a is a bit of scripting which I can use again if I ever want to do another episode on YouTube subscriptions, and I probably won't, but if I ever did wanted to say, oh, I found this cool, this one and this one you might like and stuff, then I can easily go through the same process again and generate such a list and talk about it a lot lot more straightforwardly than doing it the, the long, hard way. So what I've done is not necessarily wasted effort. And along the way, I learned about how the hell you get stuff out of YouTube, which just seems to be very reluctant to release information about what it is that you're, you've subscribed to. And I also learned how to use XML Starlet. I hope I might have passed on a bit of interest and a, and a, and a recipe for doing strange things with XML Starlet. And I also learned some new things about Template Toolkit, even though I use it quite a lot already. I found out things I didn't know at all. I'd never used it to process a CSV file. And, of course, there was a Hacker Public Radio at the, uh, episode at the end of it. You might not agree, but I think this is a cool process. So, <laughs> if you made it through to the end of this, congratulations, and thank you for listening. OK, bye now. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.